Hello and welcome to H2 Orthopedics. My name is Mike Begg. I'm a certified physician assistant, a certified athletic trainer. I have a doctorate degree in medical science and over 30 years of experience in sports medicine, orthopedics, and medical education. My goal is to take your orthopedic diagnosis or injury and help you make sense of it. Welcome to H2 Orthopedics. Welcome to another episode of H2 Orthopedics. It's Mike here. I'm your host. And uh, just uh, the other day was in the post office. Uh, here where we are, we don't get our mail delivered to home. We have to go to our post office. So I was in there just picking up the mail and I ran into a friend of mine, uh, Jesse. And uh, Jesse said, hey, I hurt my knee skiing the other day. I twisted my knee. It's not a big deal. I can get around. I can do things, but it hurts. And he, he pointed specifically to the inside of his knee. And he said, uh, you know, it kind of catches or clicks or pops and makes a noise that it didn't make before. What do you think is going on? And just with that Im- amount of information, it's hard for me to tell. But my suspicion is that Jesse probably has a meniscus tear. Uh, he described it and pointed directly to the area of the meniscus, which, which is a cushion cartilage uh, that lives between the knee. And his mechanism or the way he described his injury makes sense to me to have a meniscus tear. So uh, Jesse's going to come in and see me in the office here uh, as soon as he can get in and make an appointment. And we are going to work up what we believe to be a meniscus tear. So that is today's topic. We're going to talk about the meniscus, what it is, how it's injured, what it looks like when it's injured, and what you can do about it. So welcome to today's show and let's get started. All right. So the meniscus, what the heck is a meniscus? Well, the meniscus is something that uh, that we've talked about um, uh, before. It's uh, it's a very common injury in athletics. It's a very common injury as we age. Uh, so it can be a degenerative tear or an acute tear happen over time or happen with an injury. Um, but the meniscus is, uh, when I first started as a PA, we just kind of thought the meniscus was this thing in the knee. And uh, I don't remember who told me or used this analogy, but it was almost like the appendix of the knee where uh, we didn't appreciate what it did too much. We knew it was there for a reason and we knew it was a shock absorber or a cushion. Uh, but if it was torn or injured, uh, the, the basic anatomy that we knew about is it didn't have a very good blood supply. And if we tried to repair it or sew it together, uh, the chances were it's going to fail. So let's just get rid of it. So we just kind of trimmed it out and took a big hunk of it, uh, oftentimes a big hunk of it, <laughs> meaning the majority of it, uh, out of the knee and uh, just said, like, you don't need it in the first place and, and off you go. Well, we've learned a ton about the meniscus in the last, I'll say, 20 years or so. And now we look at it as a very important structure in the joint. And I don't want to say we didn't appreciate that in the past. We did. Uh, but we treat it much differently. We definitely treat the meniscus and injuries to the meniscus, uh, especially in our younger population, much differently than we did before. And we're much more likely to try to fix it or repair it than uh, to remove it like we used to. So what the heck is a meniscus? So in general terms, so you have an easy understanding, uh, the, the knee joint comes together. The top bone is the femur. The bottom bone is the tibia. And they're coated with a certain type of cartilage called articular cartilage. And we talked about that in our arthritis uh, episodes. Uh, this is not the, the articular cartilage. This is the cushion cartilage or the, the meniscal cartilage that lives between the two bones. So it's kind of a, the way, the words I use talking to patients, it's kind of a rubbery gasket-like material. Uh, the analogy I use is that, that rubber gasket that's in the end of your hose that you need to check every spring to make sure your hose doesn't leak all summer long. Uh, it's kind of like that. It makes that connection uh, tighter 
uh, and it helps to kind of seal things off. The meniscus doesn't necessarily do that, but it does make the knee joint more stable. And the top bone, the femur, has these two rounded areas that kind of fit into the meniscus. So we, we kind of call them a, a circular or a semicircular structure. The lateral or outside meniscus is more of a circle, uh, not quite fully, you know, to two points aren't quite touching, um, but it's more of a, you know, a C-shaped circle. Then the lateral side is a little more, excuse me, that's the lateral side. The medial side is a little more open, a little less of a circle, more uh, like an open C, if you will. Um, it's a so that's what it looks like looking from the top down. So if we're looking to the very top of your shin bone, your knee bone, if we were to cut your leg open, take that bone out and look you know, down the shaft of the tibia, if we're looking at the top, what we call the plateau, uh, the lateral meniscus sits on the outside, the medial meniscus sits on the inside. Lateral side is more of an O shape. The medial side is more of a C shape. Um, if we look at it from the side, we're going to see that this meniscus cartilage is thicker on the periphery or the outside, and as we go towards the center of your knee, it, the, both of them kind of taper down into just a you know, very thin tissue layer. So it's a wedge-shaped uh, structure, thicker on the outside, thinner towards the inside. Um, it's attached more securely, more firmly at the very front and the very back. So if you take both of your hands uh, and make a C with the left hand and then kind of a backward C with the right hand, Again, the, the inside, the left hand is going to be a little more open. The outside hand, the right hand is going to be a little bit more closed. That's what the meniscus look like. Your fingertips are where that meniscus attaches to the tibia, to the shin bone. So again, it's kind of laying on top of the shin bone. And those, those fingertips, your thumbs and your fingers, are where it attaches to the bone. Those are called the roots. And that's where it's physically attached to the bone and more stable. And then the periphery, the outside, so around your fingers and hand and back to your thumb, is going to be attached to the joint capsule. There's more to it than that, but that's, that's basically the, the attachment points. Uh, so it's, it kind of works almost like a hinge or a handle on a pail where it's attached at the, at the roots and more mobile around the periphery or the outside of the meniscus so it can shift and move. And as you straighten and bend your knee, the end of the femur, the condyles, we call them, the round parts of the femur, the thigh bone as it comes into the top of the knee, they fit down inside those meniscus. And as you bend and straighten your knee, they kind of shift that meniscus front and back. It kind of floats almost, but attached at those roots and it can kind of float back and forth and, and shift with the, the position of the femur on the tibia. So that's a good thing. Uh, that's what it needs to do. It gives you uh, a cushion. So uh, again, <clears throat> the basic idea is, is if you're put put weight down on your foot, it's going to squish onto that meniscus and give you a cushion. Um, it's called a hoop stress, we call it, um, but it gives you, it gives you a little bit of a cushioning. It also gives you stability. It gives that, that femur somewhere to rest on top of that tibia. The top of the tibia, what we call the plateau is relatively flat. Um, it's not necessarily flat. It's a little bit different inside to outside, but if you just picture a flat surface, that meniscus gives that femur something to kind of settle into or, and give stability. And we learned that, uh, from procedures in the past where we would take that meniscus out. We actually created instability of the, of the knee sometimes, uh, which obviously was not our goal, but we learned, we learned from that. So the meniscus is made up of, of primarily water. Um, 60, 70% of the meniscus is water, um, and collagen or proteins, uh, there's other things in there that that we don't need to get into in this talk, but uh, it's a very it's a very firm material. When we uh, when we do a knee replacement, for instance, we take the meniscus out. 
And if you feel that it's kind of a rubbery, gaskety feeling, it stretches, it has a memory. If you let go of it, it'll go back to what, you know, the shape it came to. But it's really pretty firm and you can see how it would be a shock absorber or be able to to help, you know, distribute the shock of the body coming down onto that leg. If we remove it, the shock or the, the forces that of just striking your foot to the ground go up significantly, uh, hundreds of percent um, fold as far as the uh, forces that go across the joint. So again, it's this, this disc of cartilaginous material that fits between the two bones. It gives you a shock absorption. It gives you stability um, because it's highly, you know, highly fluid uh, content. Uh, it gives it a little bit of lubrication uh, to the joint. It gives some nutrition to the joint. Um, there's some nerves in there, so it gives what we would call proprioception. Uh, it gives a kind of body position, uh, so you're, you have feedback. Uh, it helps your your brain understand where your knee is in space and uh, with um, with positioning. Um, <clears throat> and so with all that, you can understand that now, now this is an important structure. So if it's injured or torn, uh, it's something that you should be aware of and, and potentially address. So that's normal anatomy. So this, just to review, if we take our, our fingers, our left hand and our right hand, we make kind of a C and a backward C out of them. It's that the meniscus is that shape. It's kind of a C on the inside, the medial side, kind of an O on the outside. It's attached where our fingers um, come together at the roots in the front and in the back, anterior and posterior roots, uh, more securely than around the perimeter, which is attached to the capsule. Uh, the meniscus has a chance to kind of float front and back as you bend and straighten your knee. And those condyles of the femur kind of push and pull on it. It can kind of float back and forth. So it stays between the two bones when it's healthy and in the right spot. Works as a shock absorber, works as a stabilizer, works as a lubricant uh, or lubricating structure in the joint. It gives some nerve feed, neurofeedback to the uh, to the brain, so you know some proprioceptive, uh, so or some position space uh, feedback. So it, it does help in a lot of different ways. And when it's injured, uh, we we need to address it. Injuries can occur in in a couple of different ways. So let's just break it down to simple acute versus chronic. So an acute injury to the meniscus typically means that you're weight bearing, so you're kind of squishing down on the meniscus between the two bones. And you're probably rotating and maybe even bending your knee a bit. So that you bend the knee, the condyles, uh, the end of the femur isn't perfectly round like a cue ball. It's kind of egg-shaped or elliptical. Uh, so as you bend your knee, the, kind of the back of it kind of digs into the uh, to the tibia and pinches down on that meniscus. Um, and if you have it the, the right uh, you know, setup of forces, uh, you can kind of catch or pinch that meniscus between the two bones. And if you rotate at the same time, uh, or twist on that knee, you certainly can cause an injury and you can cause an acute tear to the meniscus. Uh, tears come in all shapes and sizes. Uh, that's something that um, you can discover on the MRI often, or you can see, you know, definitely when you do an arthroscopy or a surgery to address this, uh, there's radial tears, there's horizontal tears, there's uh, separating or, or, or kind of a delaminating tear. There's a tear called a bucket handle tear where those roots are still attached, but it's torn within the meniscus body itself. Again, it's kind of thicker on the outside, thinner towards the inside. But if you draw a line over the top of that and, and you kind of tear that, that inside edge can actually flip over and get stuck in the middle of the knee in the notch of the knee, much like a, a handle on a bucket uh, can flip from right to left side. Bucket handle tears are kind of unique and need to be addressed. There are also de degenerative type tears to the meniscus. So like I told you, you know, 60 plus percent of that meniscus is made of water or fluid. Uh, and as we age, uh, it becomes dehydrated. It loses that fluid ability and with that becomes brittle. Uh, 
and uh, can just degenerate or break down. And oftentimes we will see degenerative meniscus tears in patients that we're doing knee replacements on. They've worn out the joint, uh, the coating cartilage, the articular cartilage. In another episode, we'll talk about knee replacements. Uh, but they've also broken down or injured their meniscus in a degenerative nature. And it's hard to separate out symptoms, you know, meniscus versus arthritis. But uh, oftentimes it's believed that those meniscus tears may be just asymptomatic. They aren't that, they aren't that symptomatic or painful as they degenerate. Uh, but so you can have an acute tear or a chronic tear of the meniscus. And symptoms typically are pain on the joint line. So again, when I talked to Jesse in the in the uh, post office the other day, he pointed right to the medial joint line. And that was a clue to me to think about meniscus. There's not much other there, a couple of ligaments and, and different structures. But he said, no, that's where it's sore. He also reported, or I asked him, it didn't swell a lot. So the other anatomic factor of the meniscus is it doesn't have a very good blood supply, which is unfortunate. Uh, it has a decent blood supply on the outer perimeter where it attaches to that capsule, about the outer you know, third or so and I'm being generous with that probably, uh, there's a blood supply, but the inner two-thirds are not uh, very vascular. They don't have much blood, if, if any at all. So two things come of that. If it's injured, it doesn't tend to swell a ton because there's not a lot of bleeding in the joint. And secondly, it doesn't tend to heal itself unless it's way on the outside perimeter, and you got to keep the forces that you know, that would separate those two tissues as they're healing uh, off the joint while in that process. So even then it's not highly likely it's going to heal and sometimes it needs surgery, but we can repair those. We're jumping ahead to treatment, but that's, that's the general idea. So it's not a very vascular structure except on the outer perimeter, the thicker portion as it attaches to the capsule. And, um, with that, we don't have a lot of bleeding or swelling in the joint, but we can have mechanical symptoms, catching, clicking, popping, locking, getting stuck. I feel like something's in my knee. And the easiest or best analogy I use is like having a rock in your shoe when you're out for a walk or a hike. Sometimes that meniscus tear will flip over and get stuck between the femur and the tibia. And it hurts when you step down on it, you're pinching or pulling on some of those nerves. And obviously that causes pain. Just like when you step on a rock in your shoe when you're out for a hike. Sometimes you can just do a little jig, like wiggle your foot and try to get that rock out from underneath your heel. You can do the same thing on your knee. You move it or manipulate it and that little torn piece will go back or get out of the way. And sure enough, you have no symptoms. You walk away uh, and you're good to go. It's mysterious when it comes back. And that's sometimes what drives people to see us. They just don't like that unpredictable nature of a meniscus tear and when it's going to show up. And when it's significant, like locks your knee, you know, they don't want to be in a bad situation. They're only back, you know, a couple miles into the woods on a hike. And all of a sudden this thing flips over and gets stuck in their knee. And now they can't get out or they have a really hard time getting out. So the, the rock in your shoe analogy makes, makes perfect sense. And patients usually say, yeah, that's it. And that's a pretty clear clue as a practitioner for us to say, yeah, meniscus tear just jumped to the number one suspect on our list. Um, so mechanical symptoms of catching, clicking, popping, locking, something getting stuck in there and joint line pain with typically less or, or low level swelling uh, leads us to think of a meniscus tear. So that's the normal anatomy. Uh, the pathology anatomy or pathologic anatomy, injured anatomy is either degenerative in nature where it just kind of separates because it becomes brittle, uh, because it's less hydrated, we just lose the fluid component, or a, an acute injury where you have weight-bearing twisting, likely with some bending or some some you know, multi-directional forces on that joint, and it just has a, a shear force and tears that meniscus, usually not a ton of swelling, and joint line tenderness with mechanical symptoms. 
So the workup or the process of finding out or getting to our diagnosis is, again, listening to those symptoms. What happened? Uh, how much swelling? Where do you have your pain, et cetera? We can examine your knee and usually pushing or poking along the joint space leads us to think that there may be a tear. There's a couple special tests taking your knee through range of motion, just straightforward back and forth with motion. Oftentimes that hurts at the extremes, fully extended or fully bent. And then we move the knee. We kind of rotate the lower bone trying to rotate the meniscus underneath the femur and kind of catch that tear uh, and see if we can elicit pain that you're, that uh, uh, equals what you came in for. X-rays, uh, oftentimes we'll get x-rays. We don't always have to, but we'll get x-rays uh, to see if there's something else going on in there. If um, uh, there's a suspicion that you may have some arthritis, x-rays are going to help us with that diagnosis. And it doesn't help us with the diagnosis of a meniscus tear, but it uh, helps with the diagnosis of arthritis and sometimes can muddy the water. But uh, we want to look to see the structure of the joint, see what, what things look like, and maybe the meniscus tear um, is present with a knee that doesn't have arthritis, which is fairly common, especially in our younger population, which leads us to an MRI. So MRIs are able to evaluate the status of the meniscus. We can see if it's torn. We can see if there is a change of shape to the meniscus. Those bucket handle tears are obvious and easy to see on an MRI. And it leads us to to discuss treatment options, uh, which really are, are evolving as time goes by and, and have changed somewhat over the last, I'll say, 10 to 15, maybe 20 years now. So let's jump into that. What if we, we come to the point where Jesse has a meniscus tear? Uh, the recommendations are going to be uh, ranging from you know, how bad is this to you? Does it give you symptoms every day? Does it give you symptoms once a week, once a month? Uh, or have you felt it since the time of your, you know, your injury initially and now it's gone away? So we need to assess the, you know, the significance of the injury with, with the patient. We can treat these conservatively and keep a watchful eye on them. The concern with that, again, the unpredictable nature of that, that little torn piece flipping back and forth, like that rock in your shoes, you know, sliding underneath your arch and causing significant pain, um, that can be there. And that, again, is what typically or sometimes will drive patients to say, I need to do something about this. Uh, but we can treat it conservatively. The other concern we have is if it's a, a larger tear and it does either get lodged into the center of your knee or in a certain place where it shouldn't be, it creates an abnormal surface for the end of the femur to rub on, and it can cause uh, injury to that coating cartilage, either um, kind of encourage or enhance the, the natural breakdown or the age-related or activity-related breakdown in arthritis, or it can cause injury, you know, I've seen where it's caused a groove of cartilage to be, to be worn away, and on both sides of that groove, it's relatively normal cartilage, but where the femur touched that meniscus tear, it actually just kind of wore away a groove in, in that coating cartilage, which is, um, which is a problem in and of itself. So again, the symptoms uh, kind of dictate the care, but we can keep a watchful eye on this if it's low level symptom, but uh, usually we want to, you know, counsel the patient or, or counsel you and say, look, if it gets worse, uh, don't ignore it. Uh, so that's the, the most conservative thing. Physical therapy, uh, we can do therapy and that's not a bad way to go. Um, it's not going to cure it. It's not going to fix that meniscus tear, uh, but it may help kind of get you through, a, you know, a rough spell or buy some time for us if it's a better time, you know, two months from now to, to address this surgically. Um, injections probably not going to do much for you. You know, this is a mechanical problem. It's not an injection is not going to heal that meniscus tear back. And I know there are, there are kind of a new approach to treating, uh, 
meniscus tears with injections of, say, the biologics, the PRPs or the stem cells. Again, in my mind and understanding how that works, uh, I just don't see that healing that meniscus tear. Um, If it's a degenerative tear, it's not going to rehydrate that meniscus. It may make things less symptomatic. I'll give you credit for that if that's the way you want to go. It may make you feel better, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I don't want to to be uh, the guy that tells you it's going to fix or heal that meniscus because I don't believe it will. Hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully there's going to be some good information out there, good data out there of a good study. Uh, that's that's founded in science that's going to show that. But to to this date, I don't see that, uh, and I have a hard time believing that. But I had a hard time believing other things in the past that have come true. So prove me wrong. It'd be great. So an injection, probably not going to be your best option. So surgically, do we do surgery on these? Yes, we do surgery on these quite often. And once we get to the operating room, there's basically two ideas, two things we can do. If the tear is in the inner portion, and I'm just going to use easy math here, the inner two-thirds of the meniscus where there's a poor blood supply and or the quality of that tissue is just not worth keeping in your knee, then we would do what's called a meniscectomy, remove the meniscus. The goal is to leave as much meniscus behind as you possibly can because of all the things we talked about earlier that it does on the good side of things, but remove the torn or the symptomatic portion and get rid of that by just simply removing it, trimming it away to a nice stable edge, and then we're done. At that point, all it needs to heal in the joint is just the the insult of the, the surgical approach, which is usually pretty quick. We don't really have significant limitations. You can bear weight. You can go through full range of motion uh, as symptoms allow, and, and typically fairly quickly, a month or two, you're back out there, uh, full activity, but you don't have all your meniscus. So you have to be aware of that. And the downside is what we talked about potentially increased instability, potentially increased wear on that coating cartilage or advancing your uh, arthritis that you may or may not have without the tear, but you may be now in that category where you're going to get arthritis and it may come on a little bit sooner because that cushion is gone and those forces have to go somewhere. So that's a meniscectomy. The other option, which is ideal if we can do it, is a meniscus repair. So a repair is where we actually fuse or fuse. We actually sew the tissue edges together or hold the tissue edges together, typically with stitches or sutures, uh, and try to get it to heal. Obviously, there needs to be a blood supply and ideally a blood supply that's adequate for healing in the area where we do the repair. So the peripheral tears, the outside tears where it's thicker with more blood vessels are the, are the candidates for a meniscal repair. Uh, There's several techniques to do this. There's all sorts of different ways. It's evolved over time. It's much better now than it was even 10 years ago. Um, I always say that, you know, the surgeon and the orth or the uh, surgical team gets a ton of credit that should be given to the engineers who make this stuff uh, because they're the ones that really make our job pretty easy. Um, They figured out how to pass a suture and tie a knot and do all these different things, you know, basically inside the joint, which is incredible. Obviously, you need a skilled surgeon to do this, but uh, the engineers have really been amazing lately and figured out how to how to help us. So, anyway, the meniscus repair. If you have a large bucket handle tear and you're a 20 year old athlete, we're going to try to repair that every time, uh, unless that quality of that tissue is just too beat up and we just feel it's not going to serve you well. Uh, to, in today's thoughts, we're going to try to repair that. And the limitations are much different than if we did the meniscectomy or removed it. So if we repair that tissue, again, it's not an ideal scenario to begin with. 
we need to do everything we can to make sure that that this thing heals or we give your body a chance to fuse those tissues together. So we may limit your weight bearing, especially when you're bending your knee. Oftentimes we'll let you put some weight on the foot when your leg's out straight. So you may be in a brace. Uh, again, that straight down force kind of squishes the edges of that tear together. So that's ideal, but we don't want too much of that. So again, depending on the, the surgeon's preference and what they find in the operating room and how things go, they may limit your weight bearing. Uh, they may allow you to bend your knee if your foot's off the ground, but they may say stop at 90 degrees. They may say stop at 60 degrees. That's all based on the mechanics of how those condyles of the femur put force on the meniscus. And we don't want to have shear force. We want to pull the edges of that meniscus repair apart because obviously it's trying to heal. So there is significant limitation with the meniscus repair that you don't have with a meniscectomy. The goal is to get it to heal. And it's worth it's worth paying that price up front to get the, you know, a lifetime of having a good healthy meniscus in that knee for all the reasons we talked about. Stability, proprioception, nutrition, all these different things that it does to the joint and shock absorption kind of being number one. The other uh, somewhat unique uh, type of meniscus tear that we just, I'll talk about briefly, is a root tear. If you remember back to our talk about the anatomy earlier in this uh, podcast, that root, there's one in the front, one in the back, the anterior and posterior root, and there's uh, one on each side, the medial and lateral meniscus. Uh, so there's four roots total. If you have a root tear, you've lost that connection of the meniscus to the bone, and it makes that meniscus unstable within the joint. So it extrudes or squeezes out from between the femur and the tibia, and it's almost like having a total meniscectomy where the entire thing's removed because it's no longer there. It's no longer stuck between the two bones. It can kind of squish out when you put weight on it. So that becomes a, a somewhat of a unique uh, meniscus tear caveat uh, that typically is treated with repair, uh, but it's a different type of repair. It's a more unique uh, way of fixing that root back to the bone rather than uh, in some tears or most tears, the meniscus back to the capsule or meniscus to meniscus uh, is torn in that inner substance region. So uh, we'll talk about that in more detail in another podcast because a meniscal root repair or injury is, is somewhat unique, but that's the other caveat that we typically would do a repair just like that bucket handle tear in a younger patient. So that is the meniscus tear. That's the world we talk about. And Jesse hasn't come in to see me yet, but I'm sure he will soon. And we're going to go through that process and I hope we can help him out. The hard part is nobody wants them repair because they hear uh, six weeks on crutches and limitations and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, there's a reason for all that. And I understand your the downside or the negative. But the flip side is if you get to keep that meniscus for the rest of your life, you know, six weeks, two, you know, two months, whatever it is, being limited with your weight bearing and activity and maybe six months before you're back doing all activities, absolutely worth it. There's no question about it. If you get to be out there and live an active lifestyle for the rest of your life uh, to give up a couple months, you know, now is definitely worth it. So there it is. That's the meniscus injury, meniscus repair, uh, normal anatomy, injured anatomy, workup and treatment options. I hope that all makes sense to you. If not, uh, H2 Orthopedics uh, is the website. Uh, reach out to us, drop a, a question online there. Uh, drop your symptoms into a box. We may do a, another podcast on you, or we'll try to uh, answer your questions as best we can to get you back out there and uh, being healthy. So until we talk again, do your best to stay active, stay healthy, and put a smile on someone else's face. Hey, it's Mike here. I hope this episode is helping you out and answering some questions. 
I'm not hitting every topic right on for you, if there's something specific that you have about your injury uh, or you want to discuss unique findings on the exam or your history, your MRI, your x-rays, whatever it might be, head to our website at h2orthopedics.com and scroll to the bottom for an opportunity to sign up for a virtual visit where we can either have a Zoom call, we can do a telephone call, whatever it might be, and we can discuss the specifics of your injury in more detail and hopefully get the answers you're looking for. Again, that's h2orthopedics.com. Scroll to the bottom for the virtual visit, and I will talk to you next.